Hey, what a great, great start uh, to our services this morning. Will you, uh, we pray with me uh, as we get started in this time uh, of our service. God, we, we give you thanks and we give you praise that we can come into this room on a Sunday morning and uh, turn up the heat, turn up the noise, uh, because we're excited about your name. We're excited about Jesus Christ. And uh, as we start into this new series today, Lord, uh, I ask uh, we give you full permission to do your work in us, uh, to speak into our hearts and our lives. My prayer is that we would be humble. Uh, my prayer is that we would be obedient. And my prayer is that we'd be willing to go and to do the things that you've told us to do. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, considering all the excitement, I'll tell you that one of the things that I promised not to do this morning was to comment on the St. Louis Cardinals 16 to 7 victory last night and the mammoth homers that Albert Pujols hit. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use this platform to talk about such things, so we're gonna move right on in our service. But, uh, talking about other exciting things, one of the things that I realized this past week was that 14 years ago, this weekend, uh, Jenny and I got engaged. You know, I asked her to be my wife, and she said yes. Uh, Believe it or not, we were in St. Louis, of all places, with our families, and we got engaged under the arch, and and it was a a really, really, really cool day for us, and obviously a memorable one uh, for many of the reasons, but um, there's also some funny things that come out of stories like that. There are funny things that came out of our particular engagement story. One of the things that's funny uh, with that has to do with the ring that I purchased, and, and the Friday afternoon that I actually picked up the ring at the jewelers. You want to know the first place that I went? I went directly to the insurance agent and had it insured just so there could be no accidents, you know, that nothing could happen. And that just says a lot about who I am as a person, but that's not really the funny part. What I wanted to start with is just, I'm a horrible gift giver. All right, I, I don't know if you're like me. I, I have a horrible time thinking of thoughtful gifts. Obviously, a ring makes sense in the engagement, so I kind of had that one figured out. But, but here's why I'm a horrible gift giver. I, my engagement story is a classic example of who I am, that when you know, I get a gift that I'm really excited about, that I can't wait to give to Jenny or to someone else, um, more times than one, I have failed and given it to them early. And, and so that was the case with this engagement ring. I picked it up on a Friday, all right? And I had plans and intentions of proposing uh, within a week or two, but I didn't even make it 24 hours. I mean, it was the very next afternoon. It just seemed to make sense. It fit for that moment. And I asked her to be my wife. I couldn't, I couldn't wait. Less than 24 hours. But hey, it worked out for us, all right? You know, we're doing all right. But any of you like that at all? Any gift givers like that? I mean, that you buy a gift and you don't even get it wrapped. In fact, you might even just get home and while, you know, she's not expecting it for another few days or something, you just go ahead and give it to her because you can't wait to see that look on her face. I mean, you can't wait to see that reaction, you know, from her, that enthusiasm in receiving uh, a gift. And so you've got to act. I mean, you've got to do something about it as soon as possible. You know, sometimes I wonder what would happen in my life and around my life if my enthusiasm for my faith in Jesus were the same uh, as, an enthu- as my enthusiasm for giving a gift like that. That, that I, I've learned something, I, I know something, I, I know what's going to happen, I know the impact that it can have, and, and, and so there can't be any delay in it. I, I've got to give it, I, I've got to tell that news uh, as soon as possible. You know, we just finished up, uh, I think, a great series on a great chapter in the Bible in Romans chapter 8. And two of my favorite verses from that chapter come out of those first two verses in Romans 8. Romans 8, 1, Paul begins this way. So now there is no condemnation 
for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Uh, We know that that's the good news. Uh, That's what we've been talking about over these last few weeks, that this is the good news, that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've trusted him with your life, then this is your good news, uh, that your life has been changed forever, that you'll never be the same again. And and it's important uh, that that this truth uh, that we see here in Romans 8, 1 and 2 is a truth that we embrace. It's our reason for living. I mean, it's a motivation to live. It's, it's a truth that gives us a purpose uh, to continue on each and every day. You know, and I want to know if you see that. I want to know if you realize that yet with your life. I mean, I think that's why it's so important that we come back even to some of the most simple basic truths. Because what does this mean for me? And then what am I expected to do with truths like these? I, I want to know if you believe this. I, I want to know if this truth is changing, you know, not, the way, not only the way that you feel about yourself and what God has done for you, but this desire and this motivation in you uh, to share that news with others. I mean, have you embraced this truth in, in such a way that you can't to share it, wait to share it with your kids? Uh, have you embraced this truth in such a way that you can't wait to share it with your family or a sister or, or your neighbors or maybe a coworker or something? In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. You know, I might lose my life over it. He will. He knows that. But I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. I mean, why would I be ashamed of something like this? That's what Paul says. Why would I be ashamed of something like this? Why would I have doubts about a message like this? Because it is the power of God at work, saving who? Saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And so we're starting a brand new series today called Go. And it's like extra hot up here, I think, with these lights, you know, this morning. And, and you're probably still seeing green. I'm still seeing green. But we're starting this series called Go. And we're doing this series because I want you to see the life that you've been called to by God. I want you to see it for yourself and embrace it for yourself, the life you've been called to by God, that you've been called to share your faith and to share the hope that you have with the people that are living around you right now, that God put them there for a reason, that you, he's put you in your scenarios and your circumstances for a reason, and that we can't be ashamed of this good news. We can't be ashamed of this message that we've been given. We can't overlook this message as it is the message that has the power to transform lives. Uh, It is the power of God at work for everyone who believes. Now, I'd like to tell you that we're so intentional in our preaching planning, you know, that we knew that it was going to work out like this. All right. And what I mean by this is that that we're not that good. Uh, But what I mean is that I'm so thankful that we spent the last five weeks talking about Romans eight and talking about the good news and talking about what that means and what that means for me and what that means for you. But now we get to take the next four weeks talking about the responsibility that we have with that message. Because there is a responsibility that we have with this message, just good news that as people, as a church, here's what I mean by that in Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 to 20, we often refer to this section in Scripture as the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus had lived his life, uh, his ministry, died on the cross, was raised from the dead. He spent the last few days walking, with the wor- earth, walking the earth with his closest followers, and he gathers them together on this mountainside one last time before he ascends into heaven. Now, you would think somebody with as much influence as Jesus has, and he's ready to release these men and women to their mission, he's going to be very careful in the words that he chooses to share with them. I've only got a couple of minutes. What do I want to speak into their life? What's most important that they hear from me at this time? And in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples this. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Go. If you've got your own Bibles, you might just circle that word go there right now. Jesus says, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, go. One little word. All right, two letters. Jesus said, go. Jesus' mission and purpose, his final instructions for his followers 2,000 years ago. It's his mission and his purpose for you and me and for this church 2,000 years later. Jesus says, go. My people, go. You know, my children, go. Uh, To be a church on the go. You know, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, if you're taking notes, or as we like to say as a church, go help people find their way back to God. I mean, it's the same commission Uh, It's just a clever way of saying that. Again, why did we have to cover Romans chapter 8 first? Because you've got to know why you go. I mean, you've got to know why it's important to go and share a message like this. You've got to have to reason to go. You've got to know why to to share your faith. You've got to know why to give generously with your time and and your resources and the gifts that God has given you. I mean, Romans 8 is this reminder to us that we go, oh, yeah. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the grind and the schedule of life that I do indeed forget what's truly most important, that I've been called by go. I mean, that's the life that we've been called to, a life where we're reminded that I'm changed forever, I've been freed, all right, and and that's the greatest news for the world. And so the question is, am I living my life in such a way, you know, that, that I'm sharing my life with others, you know, I'm modeling the example, the message that has been proclaimed in my life, that I am no longer condemned, that I am no longer in bondage to sin and death, But I've been freed. I've been freed in Jesus Christ. You know, truth be known, we've got a lot of upset people living in our world right now. Uh, On both hemispheres, on on both sides of the political aisle. And and I just think that it's interesting in times like this that everyone has a solution. You know, everyone has a solution to the problems that that our world faces and that our country is facing today. But do you want to know what the solution for our world is? The solution for our world is Jesus Christ. I mean, that may sound cliche, but it is the truth. The solution is Jesus he is the answer uh, for this world. He, our country needs Jesus right now, desperately, probably more than ever before. The people of this world need Jesus. Your dad needs Jesus right now. Your mom needs Jesus in her life. Your neighbor, your coworker, your kids, your spouse, they need Jesus Christ. The people around us, the people of Noblesville, the people living in Fishers and Carmel and Cicero and places like Anderson need Jesus Christ. And that's the life that we've been called to. And that's why Jesus looked into the eyes of these men and women 2,000 years ago and he said to them, go. I mean, his plan, his desire, you know, for my life and your life is not only that we would receive him and not only that you would embrace this truth of how Christ has changed you forever, but that you would live your life in such a way to bring him glory to And what does that glory look like for God? It's through the obedient lives of his people when we submit humbly to him, that you live your life on the go. I mean, that's his plan uh, for you. That's his plan for Genesis Church, that we be people, that we live our life on the go, whatever it requires, whatever it will take to get the message of grace and forgiveness to the people of this community and the people of this world. We've been called to go. Now, I don't know if you've ever had someone look you in the eye or the eyes and say to you, you can do it. All right, and, and if I'm the first today, you've you got to know that I'm not the first to say this to you because, you know, Jesus said this. You know, Jesus said these words for us. He, he, he looks at anyone who decides to follow him and he says the very same thing. He says, you can do it. 
When we talk about going, you, you have it in you to go and do this while standing on that same mountain with his disciples. You know, the, the same mountain where he said, go, he, he followed up with these words. He, he followed up with these words, you can do it. Look, what he, look at what he said before he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to notice some important statements that Jesus makes here before he ascends into heaven. If you're taking notes, you can follow along with these. That you will receive power. That when you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you're going to receive power. That you will be my witnesses. That you will tell people about me everywhere. Notice that three times Jesus says you. Right? Who's going to receive that power? You will. Who's going to be my witnesses? You will. Who's going to tell people about me everywhere in this world? You will. Who who does he say will carry on this mission of helping people find their way back to God even as he ascends into heaven? You. Jesus looks into the eyes of these men and women and at least three times he says to them, you. And not only was he saying you to his followers then, but he was saying you to me, the same you for you. This is you and me, us, Genesis Church. We are called by God. We have been commissioned by God for His work on this earth. And who carries that mission out for Genesis Church? It's you. I mean, it's people like you. That we carry on this mission of helping people find their way back to God. It continues on with us. You know, God is writing some amazing stories right now. I mean, it's so awesome, it's so humbling to see the stories that he's writing uh, of people's lives, families' lives right here from this church, people that are on the go saying, God, I, I want to be obedient to you. I want to follow where you're leading me. We've got a bunch of them to tell, and I want to make sure you know this story. Watch this. Our first trip down to Haiti was May of 2010. It was just months after the devastation of the earthquake had happened, and There was a lot of um, reality that hit once we were down there. It just a lot of rubble, a lot of um, hopelessness. But God totally worked on Brandon and I's hearts uh, while we were down there the first time, and we just really fell in love with the people. So we got to go down a second time. And so the second time we went down was January of 2011, this year. Uh, It was awesome to have kids recognize you that you met on the first trip, and it was even more awesome to see just the progress that had been made. Paul had mentioned to us about praying, uh, about leading the third trip. We felt uh, an even greater connection with, with Haiti and with Indian while we were down there. We spent time talking with Esperando, and he had mentioned that uh, he had specifically been praying about Katie and I considering moving down to Haiti uh, for at least a one-year commitment. There was an American family who is actually leaving November 15th after their, the year commitment that they uh, had decided to make. And so there's a need for Katie and I or for someone to fill that position down in Haiti. So we're we're moving moving to to Haiti Haiti. November 1st of this year. So we wanted to share with everyone this is what we're planning on doing. We really feel like this is where God's leading us. And just to ask you to join us on this journey. A lot of logistics that we need to figure out and and there's some anxiety that we would definitely appreciate some prayer. We have already started a blog, HutchinsonHaiti.com, and you guys can follow us there. Uh, as we start to fill you in on the story and obviously keep you in the loop while we're down there over the next year. So we love you guys. And we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Sorry, you, I felt you were going on for a long time. <laughs> In 
Isn't that awesome? Isn't that really cool? We can celebrate that. I, I love that story. I, I love the story of Brandon and Katie. Two people, you know, one marriage, committed, sold out to God, answering the call of God on their lives that we're willing to go. And so next Sunday will be their last Sunday with us as they're moving to Haiti for at least a year uh, to serve. They've given up jobs. They've sold everything they have. And they're going obediently following what God has called them to do to help people find their way back to God, uh, even in Haiti. But does the going that we're talking about this morning mean that you've got to move to Haiti? Well, it might, but, but it's not everyone's story, you know. I mean, I, I see people around here all the time. You know, living their life on the go, you know, serving God, helping people find their way back to God and everything they do. I see it in people like Eddie and Kelly and Dana and Amber that are always inviting people to be here with them. They're living their life on the go. I see it in people like Rich, who, who shared with me recently how he's been sharing specific sermons uh, through our podcast with friends from work that are going through uh, different things in their life. I, I see people on the go like Tracy, who, who comes in every single week to help us in the office some, with some of our regular weekly needs. I I, I see it in people like Kelly, who's on the go as she leads a connection group, and a majority of her women uh, in her group don't even go to church right now. Uh, I see it in people like Melissa, you know, who's here every week serving in the Gen Kids area when no one else is around, you know, getting ready for our volunteers and our, our children as they come in. I, I see people on the go like Robin, who owns her own store, but continually and over and over again is, genera- or is demonstrating generosity uh, with her profits. I see it in people like Andrew, you know, who comes in week after week on the go to help us with IT support. I, I see it in our high school students right now, living their lives on the go as I hear that they're going into the school cafeteria and and sitting with kids who are sitting by themselves. I I see it in college students like Brittany and Sarah who attend here and are giving their time to lead a connection group uh, for students on their campus and people on the go like Scott and Mindy who are opening their home for all of those students on that campus to meet on Sunday nights. These are great, amazing, incredible examples of people living their life on the go the Jesus way. I I see it all the time, people playing their part serving, saying, God, you can use me. I see that there's something greater going on around us, and I want to be a part of it and helping people find their way back to God. But do you want to know what one of my favorite stories is? Stories of people, stories of a church on the go. Uh, Here's a picture that I think demonstrates it well. And uh, if you've been around here for a while, just leave that picture up for a moment. Uh, You might recognize it, uh, formerly called the Arbitorium. It's now, I think, the Honda Motorcycle Dealership. But uh, this is Genesis Church. And probably six, seven years ago, uh, the people of this church gathering out front one morning, maybe before or after the service. Uh, I love this story. I mean, this is God's story, right? This is God's work. This is God's plan. And, And maybe you know where you are in the picture. Maybe you see some people that are sitting around you right now. We know that some have come and some have gone moved on to other places. But, you know, I, when I see this, when I look at this picture, I, I think of that children's book, the story of the engine that knew he could. I think I can. I think he can, I can. And, and the people of this church, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Again, it's God's story. It's a story of his faithfulness. It's a story of his work. You know, with this story, with this picture, I, I see a couple of things. One, I see a church. But do you want to know what else I see and I, what, what I want you to see? I see people. I see individuals, I see moms and dads, I see families, I see singles, I see students, I see children who are responding to the call that God has given them in their life to be people on the go. To say we want to be a part of a church, we want to be a part of a movement that's about helping people find their way back to God. You know, I'm thankful that they did. 
we probably wouldn't be here today, you know, if these people had quit believing. You know, there are so many stories. There are so many stories that I could tell you of people on the go. And every one of these stories, again, has a, a number of different things in common. But I want to point out one similar, similarity to each of these stories. And that is in each story, it involves a life. It involves a person. Again, it's the you that Jesus was talking about. And these stories remind me that inside of every person is the power and the potential to do something great, to do something amazing for God. Each person with each life. I mean, do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that about the people around you right now? Do you believe that even for your very own life? I mean, I do. I look around this room and I see unlimited potential of what God could do with a fully surrendered heart to him. It's like what one person said, you know, inside every seed is the potential for a forest and with every spark is the potential for a raging fire. You know, inside every person here today is the power and the potential for a movement that accomplishes significant things in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, what do I mean by this? That you and I, you and I have a significant part to play in the work that God is doing in this world. You've got to know that. You've got to embrace that truth in your life. You've got to meditate on that and pray about that, that you and I, you have a significant part to play in the work that God is doing in this world today. And it's all about helping people find their way back to God. And I want to know if you believe that. I mean, God's dream for, for his people, for the first, even since the first humans turned their back on him in the Garden of Eden, is for every person to find their way back to him. And that once found, each person would step forward with their life and say, you can count on me. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm embracing this truth of what it means for me. And now I'm here and I'm ready to serve and I'm ready to follow. I mean, we see this attitude and obedience evidenced in Jesus' life. When Jesus made his first public statement uh, to launch his ministry, he stood in front of a crowd in a synagogue and he read these words. These words, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed. I mean, with these words, Jesus was basically saying, I'll go first. I'll I'll model the way with my life. I mean, any good leader is willing to do what he's asking his followers to do. And Jesus said, I'll do that. I'll model this. And these words remind me that, that when we talk about helping people find their way back to God, we're not only talking about words, but we're talking about actions. I mean, helping people find their way back to God means bringing freedom to the oppressed, as Jesus described. It's about preaching the good news, not only to the rich, but preaching that same good news to the poor. It's about being available to help, help the broken see that they can be restored, that they've been, they can be forgiven, that they can, they can find healing. I, I like how one pastor said it, and this is good. Uh, it's not me, but, but I'm, I'm claiming it for my own. He said, you know, we're not here to simply make a difference in the world, but we're here to make the world different. I mean, that's, that's the role and responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus to not only make a difference in this world, but we're here to make the world different. Genesis Church, we don't exist to simply make a difference in people's lives. We're here to make people's lives different. And that's what we've been called to do. It's what it means to go. Every single one of us, we all have a part to play in the work that God is doing. I mean, he, he wants to work through you to reach your family. He wants to work through you to reach your friends and your coworkers and the students that you go to school with and the poor of our community and the poor of our city and even the people of Haiti. And so Jesus said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you go, you will receive power. You will receive power from the Spirit and you will be my witnesses all over the world. Now, I can hear the excuses in this already. I mean, we're people of excuses, right? You know, I mean, you may say, well, Paul, but you don't know me. I mean, I'm a Christian and all. And I really like this church. 
I don't know if I'm into this mission thing and stuff. I mean, I like being here, but, but I've got goals in my life. I've got kids to send to college. I've got these financial goals and everything. That's fine. Uh, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. But I want you to remember, you get one life to live in this world, all right? And one day, every single one of us will stand before Jesus Christ and we'll give an account for our lives. And you've got to decide what sort of account you want to give to our Heavenly Father one day. I can see others saying, well, I get this and I want to be a part of this. And I want to live my life on the go, but you have no idea my struggles. I mean, you have no idea how many times I've messed up. I mean, what could I possibly have to offer, you know, to the work that God is doing? Well, there's another story. One day, Jesus was with his disciples you know, they'd spent a quite a bit of time together by this point. And one day Jesus asked him, he said, hey, who do you say that I am? I mean, who do people say that I am? And Peter answered, he said, you are the Christ. I mean, you are the son of God. Now, this is a big time statement because nobody had ever actually said something like this out loud before. And so it was clear that something special had just happened. And Jesus looked at Peter and he responded by saying, you know, God let you in on a little secret, didn't he, Peter? But now here's what I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you who you are, Peter. Peter, you're not just some low-life, bottom-of-the-barrel fisherman. And that's what people believed about fishermen. You know, he said, Peter, you're a rock. And it's on people like you that I'm going to build my church, a church so expansive, a church with so much energy and power that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And so Jesus' pronouncement over Peter had so many implications, all right, that we're not going to get into. But do you want to know what I believe was at the heart of what Peter was saying, or Jesus was saying to Peter? He was saying, Peter, it's with normal, average, ordinary people like you that I'm going to do some life-changing, amazing work in this world. You, my friend, are going to do some amazing, world-changing things for me, not just making a difference in this world, but you, Peter, are going to make this world different. Now, where did that power come from? I mean, to think that an ordinary guy like Peter could make such an amazing contribution to the world. Again, it's back to Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, remember, that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. We talked about this, that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit is living in you today. And that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in your life, ready to work, ready to be used by you. I mean, do you have any idea what that means for your life? I mean, do you have any idea the amazing potential that's inside of you, that, that what God can do, you know, is if you simply embrace this truth and humbly, you know, submitted yourself before him obediently to God. I mean, the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to go. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the courage uh, to share your faith. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the desire. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you these opportunities to share your story, that he'll give you the power to share and serve in your church. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to go. Uh, it's the spirit that continues working in us, the one who is able to make this world different. We're going to keep talking about that over the next few weeks. I, I love this story. I'm going to share this story before we wrap up. Uh, it's a story of Zach Hunter. I think we got a picture of him here. Zach Hunter was 12 years old when he started studying the history of slavery uh, in this country uh, for the first time. And he was horrified when he discovered how brutally uh, people were treated uh, back when slavery was still legal. Now, his mom was, he was talking with his mom one day about this issue and said, you know, mom, if I'd have been alive back then, I would have been someone to stand up and do something about it. His mom saw it as a perfect opportunity as she told him about the fact that slavery still exists in our world today. 
Uh, we often refer to it uh, as human trafficking, that there are women and children and even men that are being forced into sweatshops and brothels all over this world. Uh, in fact, I was just reading this morning that according to the International Justice Mission, there are more men, women, and children in slavery right now than over the course of the entire transatlantic slave trade. It's $32 billion a year that they estimate uh, industry. And this is going on in Indianapolis. I mean, I just did a quick search this morning, and there were several stories that had popped up about different rings that had been uncovered even in our own city. Well, Zach went on and did some research and found that 27 million, uh, million people live in slavery today. And of those 27 million, approximately 50% of them are children. And so Zach was so moved by this that he started something called Loose Chains uh, loose, I'm sorry, loose change to loosen change. Zach, Zach started collecting loose change from students at his school and, and from other schools nearby to raise money to combat slavery and, and human trafficking. And his vision was to take quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies, whatever kids could find, and raise money to send lawyers and investigators all throughout the world to study this problem. And in his first year, it's a 12-year-old, he raised $200,000. He's now 16, partnering with people like the International Justice Mission. He wrote a book called Be the Change. He travels around the world today speaking about the end to slavery. But to think that it all started with a 12-year-old. And if he's 12 and can do this, I mean, living on the go. In Zach's own words, he describes it this way. God put this desire in me. He put this power in me to take on injustice. Again, where did that power come from? Who put the desire in him? Where did the strength come from? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I mean, what, what desire has God put in your life? What, what desire is he you know, revealing in your life? Where's God calling you to go in your life right now? I mean, this is one more story that just reminds me of something that I'm convinced of. That you and I, we're God's witnesses. That we're the you that Jesus is talking about. We're to be people on the go. We're the workers that inside of every one of us is the power and the potential to not only make a difference, but to make the world different. And Jesus said, go, all my children, all my students, men and women, followers and churches, to live on the go, fully aware of what Jesus has done for me. I'm embracing this. I can't help it. I have to share it with others. Here's where we're going over the next four weeks. We're going to talk about what it means to live a life on the go. What that means for you and me to be on the go for God. And we've got uh, at least two questions that are going to come up over and over again over the course of the next few weeks with this series. Two questions that we're going to be asking each week. The first one is this. What does this mean for me? Or what does this mean for you? We're going to ask that every week. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for you? That you've been called by God. He has a plan for your life. And if you haven't jumped into what he's doing, you know, in this church, you're wasting time. I mean, you're wasting your life. And I've got a really good sense that there aren't too many people here that want to waste their life. We know we get one of them, and let's do the most with it that we can. And so we're going to talk about what it means to live on the go. Your play, you playing your part, your role. What's God calling you to do? You know, what's he telling you to do? What does it mean to see the people around you in your life right now as he sees them? Well, let me tell you two things real quick. Uh, that you can be acting on, two steps that you can take in this kind of go direction, you know, as we think about this today. The first thing is this, serving. You know, we're highlighting serving over the next few weeks. We value, we love our volunteers, but I'll tell you, we, we don't have enough. We, we need more. And, and so I want to challenge you to get on a team. And, and if you're here and you haven't started serving in some capacity yet, you need to get on a team. 
And if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not really into that, you know, that, that's not who I am or whatever, well, then this probably isn't your church because we're into that. And that's who we are and that's what we're about. And there are a whole bunch of churches that would probably have little to no expectations for you. We've got big expectations here. That if you call this church your church, you get on the team with us. All right, you're a big part of what God is doing. You're a big part of the go, the direction that he has ahead of us. And so I want you to get on a team. And if you don't know what to do, I want you to just step out and I want you to try something and meet some people and have a good time, but you need to get on a team. And you can do that through your worship program and you can go back outside these doors after the service uh, by the Our Heart banner and we've got some people that'll help you there with that. The second thing is this, if you don't know what to do, but you're willing, I want you to think about going through network with us. And Network is coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, This is a great opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about who you are and how God has wired you, how he has uniquely designed you. Uh, uh, More than that, when you discover and realize how God has gifted you and how he has designed you, you've got a better opportunity to serve more effectively. That when you get into those areas that God has intended for you, you're going to find greater joy and you're going to find greater effectiveness in your serving. And so on Saturday, November the 5th, from 8.30 to 3.30 here at Genesis, you you, you get a chance to go through network. It's my desire and hope that at some point, every single one of us will be able to say, I went through network. I learned about who I am. I'm discovering how God wired me, how he's uniquely designed me, and I'm serving in those areas. Get signed up for it. Be a part of this with us on Saturday, November the 5th. The second question that we're going to be asking over these next few weeks is this one. What does this mean for Genesis? That God, we know and realize that you have a dream and a plan for this church He's got a plan for Genesis, one greater than any of us could possibly imagine. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what this means for Genesis. As we look ahead out over the next few years, the next five, ten years, what does God have in mind for this church as we humbly submit ourselves and say, we'll be people on the go, helping people find their way back to God in all that we do. Let's go. And right here on the front end of it all, you know, as I wrap up, I just want to say this to you, what's been said to me, And what was said to Peter, and I think it's what Jesus wants every single one of us to hear today, that you can do this. You can change the world. You have a part to play in God's mission for this world. Let's be people on the go. Let's pray. Um, God, we thank you uh, for giving us a reason and a purpose to live. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that he came and lived and died who was raised from the dead so that we could have life and have it to the full. God, I pray that we would embrace that truth, that we would know that truth in our own life today, and that you would create this awakening, uh, this new birth in us as we have this desire to humbly submit our lives to you and say, we'll go. We'll go do what you've called us to do. We'll be your people. We'll be your church. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.